0: If you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll get there in a minute. And let's pray and ask God to help us as we think about the Word, look at some passages about what we'll be doing tonight. Lord, we ask now that you would uh, help us in this time that we uh, set aside to give thought to spiritual things, to truths from your Word. I pray that you would uh, guide my thoughts as I, as I lead this that we would be uh, all convinced more and more of what you call us to, and the work that is needed to fulfill those roles. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so, ever since we first thought about this group starting something like this, the question has been, why, why are we doing this? What are we trying to accomplish? Um, one of the things that came to my mind was, who's seen the Red Green show? Oh, a handful of people, Okay. How many times, Kevin? When I thought about that, I thought that seems like a show that you would enjoy. I don't know why, but it seemed fit. How does the red green? Does anybody know the red green prayer? They always end the show with. What is the? What is it? Huh? Yeah, I'm a man. I can change if I have to. I guess right. Like, <laughs> right, Like so. When we think about like even even uh, our spiritual lives, right? Like, there's an element to. I think all of us being here together, recognizing, hey, there is growth that needs— no matter where I'm at in my walk with the Lord, there's growth that can take place. Some of us might uh, resonate more (laughs) with with Red Green. I'm a man. I can change if I have to, I guess. But really what we want to do in this group is to see, especially the men of Calvary Bible Church, grow to be godly men who glorify God in their own walks with the Lord and as they grow to fulfill their purposes as men— and as disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, So tonight I want to talk just about two main things uh, from the Scriptures. And the first is the purpose and necessity of discipleship. What is discipleship? What, what is the purpose of it? Why is it an absolute necessity? And then we're going to talk about the work and intentionality needed for spiritual growth. We want to change. If we want to be disciples, there's work that is required of that. Okay, a couple of caveats. Well, I don't know if they're caveats necessarily, but um, things to keep in mind. First of all, we are all about the local church, right? The elders of Calvary. We want you. We want all of us to grasp that God's design, like Jess has been preaching for the last couple of weeks, is in the local church and your participation of it, right? You're a member of this body. You have a specific role to play. God's design is through the church. And so this group, we hope that as it matures and as as we grow together, we all become more and more convinced of the necessity of the local church, our involvement in it, our role to, to play in it, okay? The other thing we want to all have a growing conviction in is that we are to be not only disciples, but disciplers, right? We are sharing with others. We are bringing them along in the faith, right? We are living our lives in such a way that that, that others can follow the pattern of our lives, okay? So because we are committed to the local church, a couple of things. One, you should be committed to the local church. This group is for men of Calvary Bible Church. There are good inter-church Bible studies. There are good groups outside of the local church. But this is for the men of Calvary Bible Church with a very specific intention in what we're trying to do, who we are trying to to raise up. Pastor Jess mentioned it earlier. Uh, This is not a Bible study, as in we're going to gather week upon week just to walk through the Bible. There will be Bible study in it but it's not in that traditional sense, and, and when we say it's not a Bible study, what we really want is there is going to be a lot of application and work dependent on you. In many ways, this will only be as effective as the work that you put into it, okay, and we'll talk about what that will, what that will look like, and then the other thing that I was thinking about, and this is what I'm, I'm encouraged by. I'm encouraged by 20-some guys that want to come out on a Tuesday night and want to give their attention to these things, and guys from every stage and walk of life, and every level of maturity spiritually, right? So no matter where you're at, there's growth to be taking place, and your role in this group is going to be a little bit different. If you're older and more mature in the faith, you can be a real blessing to guys that are younger and less mature in the faith, right? That's discipleship. Simply by your being a part of this, you're being a part of the the accountability piece that we're going to talk about in a little bit, will encourage and will help others grow in the faith and grow in godliness okay so let's talk a little bit about the purpose and necessity of discipleship disciple uh, to be a disciple is very simply to be a follower right and when we think about disciples of Jesus who are we following Jesus right that's the that's the very simple element of being a disciple and every Christian is a disciple um, but the reality is that disciples don't just happen, right? They're made, right? Jesus, at the end of Matthew 28, right, in the Great Commission, uh, is, uh, explains, right, that a, uh, a disciple is made as a person follows Jesus in saving faith, is baptized, and then is taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded, right? So there's this element of instruction in the Word, and it takes a while, right, where a person is being taught these things. That's what discipleship looks like, right? Much of discipleship is then this process of being taught all that Jesus has commanded and watching and learning from others who are further along the path. Uh, Colin, uh, there's a book called The Trellis and the Vine. They have a really helpful summation, short quote of what Christian discipleship is. They say, Christian discipleship is about sound doctrine and a godly life, right? That's what Lord willing, the things that we're going to be working on are that, right? Grow us in our knowledge and understanding of the scriptures, and that transforms how I live my life. Christian discipleship is about sound doctrine and a godly life. I already mentioned the primacy, the necessity of the local church, and really the church exists for discipleship. The church exists for discipleship. The local church exists for discipleship. The church exists to replicate itself and to grow into maturity, fuller and deeper levels of maturity. So look at Ephesians 4. I hope this passage is familiar to you. I want to start at verse 11 of Ephesians 4. It says, And he, that is Christ, gave the apostles... Speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love okay i want to bring out just a couple of points from this passage first set the context verses 1 through 3 which i didn't read Paul is saying this is how we are to relate to one another in the church, right? You can look at those verses, and you can see that very clearly, right? Walk in this manner, patience, humility, love, that's how the church is to function and to relate to one another. And then verses 4 through 6, what Paul is saying is this unity is manifest in that we all share the same call, the same Lord, same faith, and same baptism, which leads us to verses 7 through 10, where we see that Christ gives gifts in the church, but he gives them according to, to different measures, right? Not everybody has the same gifting. And then in verse 11, well, uh, uh, yeah, verse 11, then we have these specific offices of the church, and that's where we started our reading, okay? So apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, okay? We believe those roles of apostle and prophet are, have, have come to their end, But the role of evangelist, shepherd and teacher, especially in our context, elder, pastor, overseer, teacher, is to do some work, okay? And that's found in verse 12, okay? The specific job or work that elders, those given to oversight in the church, are to be laboring at is this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. As we think about this group of guys, why we're doing this, it's because we're under the conviction our responsibility is to equip you to do the work of ministry. if the the health of a church is dependent only upon and the ministry of the church, the discipleship of the church, the teaching of the church, limited just to the elders, not really going to be a healthy church, right? Why? Because the body is to be ministering to itself. That's what he goes on and says, right so the so the job of the elder, pastor, teacher overseer shepherd to equip the saints verse 12 for the building up of the body of Christ then look at verse 13 there's a goal that the work of equipping the saints is for and in short it's this that there is unity around Christ which is our growing to maturity right the the church universal is to be growing in maturity but the church but that's expressed first locally right as Local churches are healthy and growing and maturing. The body of Christ as a whole is growing and maturing and developing. Okay? So as we labor to equip the body to do the work of the ministry, the whole church is growing toward God's end design. Okay? Then look at verse 14. Why do we strive for this? Why do we want this unity? This growth, this maturity, we want it for doctrinal stability. Look at verse 14, right? So that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves. How do you determine what's true and what's right and what's good? How do you, like the the statement I made earlier about discipleship is about sound doctrine and a godly life. How do you know what's sound doctrine to affect the godly life unless you're matured and raised up? and disciple, okay? When we grow to stability into maturity, it means we know how and where to devote our time, our energy, our resources, okay? When we understand what we are to be, we, to be pursuing, okay? And then verse 15, how we use this truth, we do it in love, right? Speaking the truth in love, maturing disciples of Christ speak the truth in love, And then, in verse 15 as well, maturing disciples of Christ are growing up into Christ, into the head, right? This image of the body, again, Christ, the head, the church is his body. And then notice, lastly, in verse 16 here, there's a place for every member in this work, okay? From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, right? When we understand our role, when we understand our place, then the body functions as it should, okay? The body functions according to Christ's design. And here, I think you see in verse 16, this replicating aspect. A healthy body is going to reproduce itself in terms of discipleship and and other believers, okay? Okay? So, one of the essential elements, the essential features of the church is this work of discipleship, this work of of, uh, where elders are leading in this task and others are following along with that. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here Paul is writing to encourage Timothy, young pastor, in a difficult congregation, and he is telling him what he is to be doing, that is teaching, discipleship, and he's telling him why he is to be doing it. Okay, we're going to look at verse 6. He's putting forward truth. He's modeling godliness, because godliness is of value in every way. So verse 6, if you put these things before the brothers... You will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Right Here's this reality of what we're to be trained in, what is of ultimate value, right? Really, I mean, we could call this group, like, train yourself for godliness, right? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to train ourselves for godliness. And the other thing to think about, so Paul is writing to Timothy, to somebody holding the office of an elder that's leading in this, but just because you don't hold that office or an official office, title in the church, don't think that this pattern doesn't apply to you, right? Where you've been entrusted with, as Paul says in other places, the sound words or a faithful message, it's your responsibility to pass that along as well. Put aside other things and to train yourself for godliness. The spiritual reality is, and this is true for all of us, that godliness is of great gain for every one of us. That's what we are to be giving ourselves to, is to godliness. Okay, another passage, Titus chapter 2. Right after 2 Timothy, you will find Titus, Titus chapter 2. I don't know why this cord keeps flopping over, but it is driving me nuts. May I put this on the other side? Okay, Paul again writing to another pastor of a local church, telling him, This is what you're to be doing, right? Following Ephesians 4 type of model, following the same thing written to 1 Timothy 4. Uh, A culture of discipleship in a church will, I think, be the healthiest when the elders buy into it and take the lead and set the model for that, okay? That's why we're starting this this meeting, right? But here's what I want us to notice. In chapter 2, Titus is to teach everyone in the church some key things, right? We can think of these as the, the foundation blocks of, of discipleship, okay? And it's to all different ages. It's to both men and to women, okay? Uh, look at verse 1. But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Okay, here's specifics. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Verse 7, here he's speaking to Titus again. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, have nothing evil to say about us. Right? This is a work of discipleship. A couple of things that I think we can we can we can bring out from here. First, there's a burden on Titus in verse one, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Verses seven and eight, you are to be a model of this. And what you're doing, right? But the other thing that there is, the implication, I think, of, of this passage is that the, the the amongst these various ages, amongst these various groups, there is to be discipleship taking place, right? You see, especially with the older women training the younger woman, women, right? Here's this older, mature saint, encouraging, bringing along, and instructing a younger saint as well. The same would be true in men, older men, more mature godly men trained, they are training and bringing along the younger men, helping them grow into into godliness more and more. okay The other reality that you see in Titus two and in first Timothy four, probably even more explicitly in First Timothy four, is that in discipleship you can only invest into others what you actually have yourself, right? You can't invest as much spiritually if you're not spiritually growing and maturing yourself. Um, in in the work of, of preaching and teaching and leading and things like that, if Jess forsakes his time in God's Word on his own, he's going to have a hard time getting up on a Sunday morning imparting anything of value and substance, right? Because time spent in God's word will naturally overflow itself. So as we think again about the responsibility, the call not only to be disciples, but to disciple others, there's this reality that what we have in must flow out, and if we're empty, we're not going to be able to pour out. This may lead the question to some then, okay, I hear what you're saying, this reality the church is to be a self-replicating discipleship focused group where do we start and I don't really feel like I have anything to share where do we start well here's just a couple of things some of you may just need to think like I am a place where I don't I just need to be discipled I just need to grow in my knowledge of God's word I need to mature in some areas. And so you need to just put some time and some effort into that. And Lord willing, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to do is going to help you in those, in those areas. For many of us, we're married. We also may have children at home, right? That's the first place discipleship should start, right? In terms of discipling our wives, discipling our children, leading them along. Okay, that's why I think it is, you know, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, when he's laying out the qualifications for elder, one of them is managing your household well, right? Part of that, I think, is, is referencing this aspect of, of discipleship. This, I, I, what I'm saying tonight, I'm not advocating everyone just go out of here and find somebody to start doing a one-to-one Bible study with. That's very valuable. It's important. I think it's greatly beneficial. But that's not the first thing that, that we want to focus on tonight, okay? So I would encourage us though as we start thinking about discipleship, one, the need to be a disciple, the need to continually be growing, two, have eyes to see others. How am I imparting what I am learning and growing in others? And that starts primarily in our homes, the people that are most closest to us. Okay? A lot more could be said about discipleship, but tonight won't allow us to to go more. Okay? I want to talk about one other thing Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, okay? I want us to think now, if we're called to be disciples, that means growing in our knowledge and our understanding of everything that Jesus has taught us. That means it's about sound doctrine and a godly life. What kind of work and intentionality is needed for this? What kind of work and intentionality is needed for spiritual growth? Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. But as for you, O man of God, okay, I want you to notice the, the verbs in this passage, the actions you're calling us to. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And you can look at the prior passage and see what he's, what he's talking about. Flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you're called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses spiritual growth takes intentionality and it takes discipline it's not it doesn't happen just by osmosis right it doesn't happen just passively sitting listening to things it's good to do that but it takes intentionality it takes diligence it takes work it's hard at times, right, and that's when again this group hopefully we will encourage one another to these things. But uh, notice a couple things from this from this passage. Okay, first of all, Paul asks. Well, he he makes this statement in verse eleven: "Flee these things." Who is it that is to be fleeing? Sinful patterns, sinful actions, sinful behaviors. Man of God, right? First, he's addressing I think Timothy first, but it can be expanded out broader than that. All Christian men are men of God, right? You want to be a man of God, a growing man of God? You need to flee some things. You need to flee some ways of thinking. You need to flee some patterns of of sin in your life. You need to flee some certain actions, okay? They flee some things, and then notice in the next verse, they pursue other things, Well, actually, in the same verse, in verse 11, they pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness, right? They are to be growing in godliness. We saw that earlier in chapter 4. With godliness, there is great gain. They are to be pursuing faith, stronger, more mature faith that trusts the Lord more. They are pursuing more love, more love for the Lord, more love for his word, for his people, They are growing in steadfastness and growing in gentleness, right? These are things that we are to be pursuing. The other thing, notice in verse 12, godly men fight, right? This isn't, uh, Jess said that, and this is a joke that came to my mind when he's saying this This isn't a Bible study, it's not a men's breakfast, I thought with the tables like this, it's a fight club, (laughs) spiritual fight club, right? Okay. Godly men fight, this isn't violence for the sake of violence, that's not what he's talking about, it's the fight of faith. Uh, the underlying word for faith is the word that we get our word "agonize" from, right? So it gives you a picture of what that fight looks like. It's a struggle, agonize, agonize over this this work. Okay, we fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we do it by faith, that is, we take God at his word. We believe what he has said, we believe what he calls us to, we believe he calls us to flee certain things and pursue other things. That's the fight of faith, that's that agonizing work, right? We fight by faith to believe what God calls us to pursue is good. It's the very best thing for us to be pursuing, right? And then we want to be, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul how does, how does he say, he taught, he's nearing the end of his life. What does he say? I have fought the good fight. I finished my race. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that final day. We want to get to the end of our lives and say, I fought the fight of faith, right? And I, I labored at these things that God called me to do in his strength and in, in his power by his grace. Okay, turn to 2 Timothy 3. Uh, What I want you to notice in verse 10 and 11, Paul is a model for Timothy in these verses. And Timothy grew as a disciple not simply by following Paul's teaching, but following his way of life. Paul's life served as a model. And so again, as we think about the call to discipleship... Our lives affect others. Verse 10, you however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra. Which persecutions I endured yet from the Lord, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Then I want you to jump down to verse 14. okay And this is what I want us to, to think more about as we think about the, the work the laboring, the agonizing, the fight of faith that is needed to grow in godliness, what is the essential tool required? Okay, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching... For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What do we need to devote ourselves to to be a man of God, complete for every good work? Scripture, Scripture the Word of God. Okay. A couple of things I want to I want to point out here, though, before we move on from this passage. From childhood, Timothy was acquainted with the sacred writings. Okay. In um, 2 Timothy 1, Paul praises Timothy's mother and grandmother who trained him up, right, discipled him. You want to talk about uh, where does discipleship start and the effect that it has when it starts in the home? Here's a picture. Timothy, right? Uh, undoubtedly, the Lord used these two women, discipling him in the scriptures to grow and mature him. Okay, So going back to what we were talking about earlier, your first responsibility if you have other Family members in your home is that work of discipleship, leading leading them, okay? But Timothy is acquainted with the sacred writings, acquainted with these with the scriptures. And then notice in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God's word. This is, as Jess says every Sunday after the scripture reading, these are the very words of God. We want to be a man of God. We must familiarize ourselves, uh, saturate ourselves, in the scriptures, we must know the scriptures and love the scriptures, submit ourselves to God's word, no matter what it says. If God has said it, I submit myself to it, even if I don't feel it, don't fully understand it. If God's word says it, I believe it. Okay? But then I want us to notice a couple other things here how the scriptures. Being sufficient to make us men of God, it calls us, it says it does a couple of things in us. First of all, they're profitable, okay? They're beneficial. God's word, saturating ourselves in the scriptures, is beneficial for us, and it is for a couple of reasons. One, they teach us, that is, they instruct us, they tell us what is right, what to believe, how to live, what God has said what God's expectations are. That's what the scriptures do. They're, they're teaching us in that way. Secondly, he says it's for reproof or admonishment. Right? If you reprove a child, you're telling them they've done something wrong. Right? That's what the word of God does. It functions to show us where we are wrong, where we, have obeyed, where we have erred from obeying God's word. But not only do they tell us where we've gone wrong, he says correction. right? If you're reproved, but you're never told what you're doing is wrong and how to do it rightly, what good is the reproof? So the scriptures come along and they correct us, right? That tells us what to do rightly. It shows us what is good, what behaviors we should put on in place of sinful attitudes or actions. Think about the passages we read earlier where Paul is saying, flee from these things, but not just flee, pursue these other at- attitudes attributes actions the same thing the word of that's that correcting aspect that the Word of God does and finally verse number four in verse uh, 17 or 16 it trains us in righteousness the Bible is very practical right it shows it gives us practical instructions for our lives right in terms of how we put into practice the things that it teaches us and it does this through stories examples Illustrations, personal examples, all of these things. The Word of God is extremely practical, and this is what, again, a lot of the work of discipleship is: is how do we make the Scriptures applicable, practical to my very day, my everyday life, specific situations of my life? Okay, so I hope that you see in these passages that discipleship takes work; it's the fight of faith and agonizing work, but it's a good work. It's a work of grace right? We don't do this in our own strength. God is gracious to us. He gives us the spirit. He gives us the word, and he gives us brothers in Christ that will come alongside us and help us in this fight of faith. Um, Just to to close by way of this, and you, you can make a very similar application, spiritual health and physical health, right? If we have physical health, we can identify it in our bodies. We don't feel good, feel weak, right, or things like that, when we, then we take steps to fix that problem. Or If you're physically weak and you want to get stronger, you go to the gym, I have goals that I want to reach in terms of what I want to lift. I don't start out by just slapping 45s on. I might slap the fives on, right, so that I lift a little bit more, and slowly over time, my strength increases, okay? So the same thing comes with our spiritual maturity. Many of us are behind spiritually, Right? And we need to to grow more. So we start at a different place than other people, but we're just putting on the spiritual five-pound plates, so to speak, of right? Others are further along, but we can easily grow and become stagnant without encouragement to greater maturity, to pursuing more depth in our walk with the Lord. Okay? The writer of Hebrews says in chapter six, he's encouraging all of us to go on to maturity. And that's what we want to be doing. Here. So, that is our goal, is to help all of us go on to greater levels of maturity and to encourage men, to equip men, to be able to feed themselves from the Word of God. Which I will now turn it over to Jess, and he will give us some more practical ways that's going to flesh out.
1: Alright, so what Graham went through, uh, I hope was clear in a few things, just reiterating, right? This is a discipleship group and um and so there's going to be effort involved there's going to be uh things that we're going to do and ideas and um you know homework and and different things that we would want people to do uh throughout the month and uh be keeping in touch with your little group that will form and I'll show I'll tell you that in a, uh, more about that in a minute It's so a discipleship group and it's a local church discipleship group what we need to grow in, in part, as the men of Calvary Bible Church, is in relationship with one another. And we can have different, uh, you, there may be some people in this church that you're really good friends with, and you have, you know, your fellow Christians and your good friends, so you do things together or whatever. But we also need uh, relationships with everyone that you may not have things in common, but yet God uses the body of Christ to. Help and encourage one another. So we're going to help facilitate that um, in this, in these upcoming months. For anyone, again, this is a volunteer group. Uh, you volunteer to be in this, and uh, you commit to it, and then, um, but you don't have to stay in it. Now, if the, on this handout, let me let me read this here. It says the very word disciple implies discipline. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. Okay. Um. The very word disciple implies discipline. If you read Jesus' discussions on discipleship, in the Gospels especially, how much discipline He's calling for, how much commitment that He's calling the people that follow Him to. To the extent that Jesus warns people over and over again, I need you to count the cost before you come and follow me. Because... Uh, it is not. It is costly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about the fact that what plagues Christianity is that cheap grace model. Uh, they've got grace. I'm forgiven. Now I just do whatever I want, and that's not discipleship. Um, discipleship is work and effort. As Graham says, we want to make clear that we believe. It is all done by the grace of God operating in us, even to will to be a disciple, even to will to follow Christ or do anything comes from God, Paul says. But there's no progressing uh, as a disciple without applying discipline in your daily life. Anybody read um, Disciplines of a Godly Man by Kent Hughes? It was. Uh, uh, it's not in print anymore, but it was a really good book on just getting... Men to realize that concept that if you're going to grow, you need to apply discipline, right? Uh, the Christian life, though entirely lived by the power of God, requires men to exercise spiritual and physical disciplines each day in order to grow into Christlikeness. So take as an example the verses that Graham has laid forward, but also 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, "'His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness.'" through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now listen to this. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. And then he has this list, right? Make every effort to having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, listen to this, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And for this, in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom, uh, eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's in this very passage, right? You're being diligent. You're making every effort. You're practicing these kinds of qualities. You're putting this into practice every day of your life, all the way to the end of your life. It's not like you quit one day, right? You don't get done with this because he says "If for in this way. That's how you're going to get this entrance into the eternal kingdom. There's people that are living this way. It's discipleship, and it's going to take effort in our daily lives. Graham brought this one out, 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Have nothing to do with silly, irreverent myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also life to come. So the idea of training yourself godliness, um, uh, gumnadzo is the Greek word. It's where we get gymnasium. They used to use it of athletes in Paul's day who would be training intensely for their athletic competitions. It's uh, not just a little effort. It's an all-out effort of uh, giving it everything you've got um, in order to grow in godliness, and um, and Jesus, of course, said in Luke nine twenty three, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Okay, so we want to emphasize this idea that discipleship is commitment. Discipleship is strenuous. uh Agony at times, as as uh, Graham mentioned, and really, it's a daily uphill battle. It's a warfare with your own flesh that doesn't like discipleship and doesn't like discipline, spiritual disciplines, and our flesh craves easiness and comfort and um, entertainment. And sinful pleasures, and it really uh, recoils at the concept of doing what you don't feel like doing because you know you should do it now I'm not we're not trying to um, paint the Christian life necessarily as this joyless set of rules that you have to apply, but I think all of us by now have recognized the fact. That when we get up in the morning and all throughout our day, there is a battle going on within us to pursue God. And there seems to be constant resistance to that and constant barriers to that. That's why we need the church and that's why we need one another. You need a band of brothers, so to speak, uh, who are fighting side by side with you for the faith of the gospel. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The problem with Christian men, and this isn't just me saying this, this has been talked about uh, and, and mentioned over and over again, is that men isolate themselves oftentimes. And I know I grew up in the same church my, my whole life uh, for the first 18 years, and I watched the men of that church. They knew each other, and they'd come to the prayer meeting and sit down, and have some very casual conversation, and then we pray, and then we just go about our business. But there wasn't any intentional... Life to life, kind of uh, holding one another accountable, encouraging one another, helping, propelling others to good works, in or or even any real honesty of like, hey, I'm battling uh, sexual lust, and could you pray for me on that? Could you hold me accountable with that? Or I'm I'm battling anger, or I'm battling laziness, or I've got a problem with my. Uh, eating or whatever it is. I mean, there are how many things do we have, gentlemen, that we could say we fall prey to? And we need one another for that. And uh, I never saw that really modeled in that church, though it had other good qualities. So I think it's important that we uh, have a, a, this kind of thing happening in formal discipleship. And uh, so, in keeping with this principle, we are asking you to commit to the following disciplines. And subject yourself to the accountability of others in the church. Talk about words men don't like, right? Uh, Commit yourself something. The disciplines, subject yourselves to the accountability of others and uh, letting them speak into your life. We will break up into uh, groups of fours. What we're going to do is we're going to assign you, whoever decides to stay after this, right? There's a little thing at the back. You're just going to put your name. Uh, at the bottom and signing it, you are making a commitment to do this for 12 months. You're going to do this for 12 months um, unless providentially something comes up in the meantime and you have to bail out. That's obviously understandable. But we would hold you accountable to a degree for just saying, you know, uh, by July, I just don't want to do this anymore, you know, or whatever, because Tuesday nights is a, a certain show on TV and uh, and plus I just don't have time to read my Bible or do whatever I was committed. I mean, we're not going to take you out and stone you to death, but we might say something like, Brother, seriously, this is don't you think this is good for you to grow in your Christ-likeness, right? We would try to encourage you in that. But we're asking for a 12-month commitment to this this particular discipleship group. And we will break you up into groups of four, and we're choosing to do that and saying, I don't want everyone to do it on their own, because then that violates one of the things that we want to do, kind of, which is intermix some people, and, and you're going to learn from people and, and get to know people that maybe you didn't know before, okay? And so we'll, we'll break you up into groups four. Now, if this group, like, just really thins out after tonight, it may be two groups of two. I don't know what it'll be, but we'll see what happens and how many of you want to stay in it. It'll be your responsibility to briefly check in with the other three men in your group daily with your discipline details via a text messaging group. Now, let me say this. There may be men in this room who do not have text messaging. If that is the case, when you sign your thing and you still want to be a part of it, put a no text messaging. And then maybe if there's enough of those, we'll put you in a group, no text messaging. And as Graham said, you could do smoke signals or carrier pigeons or whatever you need to do, but you'll have that. That connectivity with those men in in your group okay you'll have to, it'll be up to you to figure out how to do that in these brief texts these are not for i would not these are not to be used don't do not mistake these for your um, fantasy football league text messaging groups or whatever else those are all fine, but this is something different so this should be just as an example you're going to commit to reading the Bible and you're going to decide how much you're going to read a day and uh, how many chapters or what your plan is. Maybe you're going to share that with the guys. This is, what, this is what I'd like to do. And you might send, and in addition to that, pray every day. Have a set-aside time for this, in other words. And so you would say, you know, I just want to get 15 minutes uh, in the morning before I go to work to, to prayer and to reading a chapter in the Bible. Um, and that's what they're, they're going to know what you're doing. And then you're going to send that you did that. Um, It could be just a thumbs up. It could be a, hey, read my stuff or whatever. They don't need to be these back and forth ones unless it turns out like that, if you guys like doing that or whatever. But just those simple checking in each day, uh, share your Bible reading, prayer, and Christian literature reading. I'm going to get into the details of these in a minute. Um, In addition, you'll be held accountable and hold the others in your group accountable for weekly worship service attendance and for the monthly discipleship meeting. Meaning, That if you see one of your brothers not showing up to church, you would inquire why. You might say, hey, brother, didn't see you. Everything okay. Um, And we do that because sometimes people get off track. Um, People, for whatever reason, might stop coming. And sometimes, because they're not interconnected, people don't notice. And that's sad. It's a sad thing. So that can't happen, but also because your weekly worship service needs to become the center part of your life to where all the rest of it revolves around that. You have to remember the reason we're doing... Remember what Graham just taught us out of 2 Timothy 3 is that when when Paul told Timothy, you know, you're going to be a godly man. Um, You've been acquainted with these scriptures. They're able to do these things for you your relationship to your Bible is one of the key determiners in what your um, discipleship is going to be. It really is. It's designed that way. Blessed is the man, right? Whose delights in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. This is the man is fruitful and all he does he prospers. That's the man. It sets the whole tone for the Psalms, right? So, um, we're going to do that. Okay, now... Specific requirements for being a part of this group. <clears throat> Have a, di- a daily Bible reading uh, in prayer time at least five days a week. Look at how gracious we are. This is a grace-riddled <laughs> discipleship group. Five days a week because we're, we all are human and um, you may uh, miss a day or whatever it is, okay? So at least five days a week, you're going to choose your own Bible reading plan. Nobody's going to choose that for you. Um, we do recommend an actual plan where you, if you don't have one now, you just start in a book of the Bible and read through it. Don't do the thing where you just open up your Bible and say, wherever it falls open, that's what the Lord wants to say to me today or something. No, no, pick a plan and there's plenty out there. There's read the Bible through in a year. There's read the Bible through in three years. You could just start, you know, in the old, one chapter old, one chapter new. There's different things you can do. You're going to choose that but you're going to have this as your core private worship time, reading prayer at least five days a week. Read a minimum of 90 pages of good Christian material each month. Preferably one of our recommended books here, or something that you run by me or Graham or uh, Phil or, or Mark or whatever. Just something that is good because there is bad material out here. So, as an example, uh, Joel Osteen's your best life now. Probably not probably not the direction we want to go. I know, I know. I uh, hope you kept your <laughs> yes. seat. So, but 90 pages is not a lot in a month. It sounds like it. And it will be if you leave it for the last day. But as long as you set a structure in your discipline each week of like, I'm going to put aside you know, 30 minutes a week to read this book or whatever. You'll get through that in in a month, okay? 90 pages a month. Memorize at least two verses of Scripture each month. Uh, Daily pray for the other men in your group. Attend the weekly worship service unless providentially hindered. And attend the monthly discipleship group unless providentially hindered. Um. Other assignments may be given each month during our meeting time and you are free in your groups to apply other things just for yourself. So if you want to say, I want to start taking my wife out on a date once a week, that would be special to her. I want to work on my marriage. This is what I'm doing, guys. See, and when you let other people know what your plan is, that right there is a level of accountability, right? Because... I know myself, I can say, you know what, I'm going to start doing this and I'll have this grandiose idea that would probably be really good for me, but it's only up in here and that way I can back out of it without any, any shame at all at any time. So we want to make sure that we are using the body of Christ appropriately in the sense that we are, we are asking other men. Okay, so on the back of this page, the CBC Men's Discipleship Commitment Form. This is just for you to read through. It's everything we just went. But just put your name, print, and sign it for us. That's, again, a commitment. That's the idea of discipleship. You're, you're crossing that line of commitment. I'm going to do this for 12 months unless providentially hindered. And um, this is going to be good for me. And so I'm, um, the, we're asking you to do that. And then you give this to us in the next week or so. And once we collect everybody that's going to be in it, and again, we've got about probably five or more guys that couldn't make it tonight that were signed up, and that we're going to um, we're going to uh, we're going to be adding them into this as well. And um, and so anyway, I want to read this to you from uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Anybody ever read his uh, probably most famous speech, "The Strenuous Life"? Anybody ever read that from Theodore as well? Yeah. It's good stuff. It was given in Chicago in April of 1899, but just a couple things he said. And this was in the context of telling, like, trying to promote, uh, for lack of a better phrase, making America great again, right? He's This is in the context of America, strengthening the men of the nation in America, and he said this i want i wish to preach not the doctrine of ignoble ease but the doctrine of the strenuous life the life of toil and effort of labor and strife to preach that highest form of success which comes not to the man who desires mere easy peace but through the man who does not shrink from danger, from hardship, or from bitter toil, and who out of these wins the splendid, ultimate triumph. And that reminds me of Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians 9, where he talks about athletes and he says, look at what they do. They practice, they're disciplined in everything they do, down to what they eat. Every, their daily habits, and we know, you know, you watch a professional athlete or an, an Olympic athlete, that's what they're doing, they're training, right? And he, Paul says, and they're doing this to achieve a worldly crown. We're a worldly wreath, right? But what are we doing this to achieve? When we train ourselves for godliness, it has, for, for the present, uh, it has benefit for the present time and beyond. And one more thing I'll share with you. I love the story in 2 Samuel chapter 10 of, um, of Israel and David and Joab against uh, the Ammonites who enlisted the Syrians to come help them. And so David sends out Joab and the mighty men to face these guys and they get surrounded. Okay, It's not looking good. But I love this. When Joab saw... That the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in the charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage. And let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord do what seems good to Him. That to me is a picture of biblical manliness. But if we take even that literal battle against the Syrians and the Ammonites and we transfer that to us as the church and the people of God, what are we saying? The same thing. By faith in God, let's be strong for our people Families and for our church uh, for the people of God, and let's pursue this uh, thing and face it head on and grow as Christian men and discipline ourselves and strive and agonize and train ourselves and all of those things for godliness in order to glorify God and to be of benefit to other people, if we can get as men as CBC if we can grow all of us myself included. In our godliness, if we can grow in our resolve and the manly, godly characteristics of perseverance and endurance, and if we can resist the tide and the pull of the world of easiness and comfort and entertainment uh, for at every turn of our lives, and we can really uh, st- strive forward in this by the grace of God, then we can be a strong and useful church and a strong and useful. Uh, families and and fathers and husbands. And it doesn't matter your age in this group. We have people uh, younger and older, right? At whatever stage of your life, I don't ever read in here anything that it says, okay, you can, you can just stop now uh, pursuing discipleship and godliness. Uh, or you can't be of use now anymore. Because I know for a fact young men are looking for older men uh, to follow and to learn from and to gain wisdom from. And, um, and so it doesn't matter what stage of life God has you in, okay? So that's our vision for this so far. It's subject to change, but at least some of the core things will not change. And um, the rest is up to you if you want to be a part of this from this point on. Any questions or, th- or that? Okay. All right, well, we'll pray and you can fellowship as long as you want. And if you're ready to sign up tonight, go ahead and do that. Make sure if you if you can't text, put that down on there. But other than that, just put your uh, name on there and stuff. And then uh, if not, just get it back to us or don't. Okay, nobody's going to look down on anybody if this isn't the time for you to join a discipleship group, okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness to us and your grace and for these men and all of them that just really want to follow you. They do or they wouldn't be here. And so I pray for each one, and I pray that you would grow the men of this church in uh, wisdom and in grace and the fruit of the Spirit. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell you, when we get together a month, what we'll do is we will have a time of teaching, and we will take a variety of different types of topics Uh, that I should have mentioned that. That was a key part. So these meetings will be a time of teaching. We will talk about different topics, uh, chapters in the Bible, everything that has to do with growing godly as uh, in godliness. And, um, and then after that, it'll probably look like you'd kind of go off with your group a little bit and have a, maybe a time of prayer with them and just kind of catching up face-to-face, even though you've probably seen them throughout the week at church and such. Uh, But at any rate, that's what it's going to look like at least for this meeting time.